Welcome to the Yes to Entrepreneurship podcast, where you, the listener, gets to eavesdrop in on the conversations I'm having with fellow entrepreneurs as we sit down for coffee each week. Learn just what it takes to be a business owner, the ups, the downs, and everything in between. And be sure to stay till the end to learn about the Yes to Entrepreneurship Network and how it can help you grow your business. Oh, here comes my guest. Talk to you soon. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so excited to catch up with you because it's been a while since we met over at Performance Con, which was absolutely amazing. I'm so glad you liked it. It's one of my favorite events and uh, and meeting you is definitely a highlight of that entire trip. So I'm glad to be here. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, no, that was my first, uh, well, first big event for myself. I've gone for clients to different conferences, but for myself, it was like, okay, yeah, let's go. I had a client who was tell, told me about it and said, you know, you should probably check this out. I had no idea. And I was like, okay, it's in San Diego. I have a friend down there. I can stay with them and let me just go check it out. And I am so glad I did because it was just such a powerful and intimate conference that it was different than anything else I've experienced. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of my favorites that I do the best I can to not miss it every single year. So that's great. I'm glad you had a great time. Yeah, and and I have to tell you, I looked up in the group, which I love how we had a Facebook group, and I still remember you had did your little introduction in the comments, and then I did this, this is my thank you dance uh, gif, and you followed up and you were like, be sure to find me after my presentation and we can jam a bit further. Heck, even yep. real life happy dance. <laughs> and I just am cracking up as I reread all of that. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. Well, you you are definitely dynamic. And, you know, I think anytime you're speaking to an audience, you kind of look out and you're like, I just need a happy face. Like, give me a face of someone who is encouraging. And I always try to be that when I'm an audience member. And so it's great when you're on stage and you can see that person. And so you were definitely that person for me and I'm sure for others as they were up speaking too. So great participation as an audience member too. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And, and so you speak, obviously, because that's where I saw you. Give me a little history about um, how you got tied into Performance Con, because that, that's, a, that's a big thing. <laughs> you know, I have the funniest story. So Performance Con, prior to that title of the uh, event, was called 90 Day Year Live. And it was, so let's see, I'm dating myself, I think six years ago. And one of the presenters, her child got sick and she was unable to come. And so the host of the event, Todd Herman, messaged me. I happened to have been a student of his and he, a client of mine, and he messaged me and he said, hey, this person had to back out. Um, The event is in five days any chance you could speak. And I said, sure, because you just never say no when you're given an opportunity like that. And so with five days to prepare, I wrote and created slides and made a talk and rehearsed it and all of that stuff. And I went to my first event in Las Vegas and spoke to a group of 450 entrepreneurs. And it was the biggest bomb ever. Now, if you watch the video of it, you probably would not have noticed that that it happened, but my mic broke, um, the shirt that I was wearing could not support the like lapel mic, so I had to go change my clothes. And as like a heavy set girl, as a woman in general, like outfits are important, right? And so I was freaking out about that. Just the whole experience was a big nightmare. 
But the cool thing about it is, is anytime I get on stage now and I'm afraid or I'm fearful of like, what is the audience going to think of me or any of those kind of self-doubts that creep in, I think you, you talked to 450 entrepreneurs as your first speaking engagement ever. And everyone came up to you afterward and said how amazing it was. Like you survived that crazy entry into public speaking, you can do anything. And so it's actually been such a great thing. And I've been blessed to speak at every one of Todd's events afterwards. So must not have done that bad. Wow, that is crazy. Yeah, it's funny. I don't know if the video's online. You don't want to watch it. I, I, my husband watched it and he's like, oh my gosh, I could tell you were losing your mind. I was like, yeah, I was so scared. It was, it was awful, but I, I faked it pretty well. Well, and that's the thing, you know, I look at it as um, live streaming. So I'm really big on live streaming and it's one of those things like I have, for whatever reason, I have no problem getting up and just doing a live stream, even though I was terrified when I first started and am not like I'm a total introvert at heart and so for me to do live streaming these days it's just like yeah let's just do it and and it's and it's a lot of fun but it's also one of those things where like even yesterday I did uh, a live stream and I was trying to be a little too scriptive uh given that it the topic that I was trying to cover and stuff and so for me it wasn't my natural flow my vibe and so I felt like I was screwing up left and right and it was Mm. like oh Ed, this is like the worst and when you watch it it's not bad but it's like that internal check that we have it's like oh yeah that was not good <laughs> yeah that's funny that's it yeah I'm not a big live streamer I don't enjoy it I, I should but I just don't I've not gotten there yet I know I need to get on the bandwagon though yeah well and that's the thing you know I told myself back when I first started my business um, when Periscope actually came out and that was the first live streaming real live streaming and um I told myself, you know, Ed, you gotta get good at this live streaming. You gotta get over your fears of being on camera because I didn't like being on camera or recorded or anything. And uh, I told myself in the backyard, Ed, you gotta make this work because if you don't, your business is not going to survive. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, I better get onto this. And so ended up, you know, just kept pushing through and kept doing it. And somehow it it worked out good and you know not everything's going to be perfect but it's you know i look at it just like the the speaking in that example that you shared it's like you know it helps and then it also obviously helps with anything speaking confidence and all that so it's it's a really cool um cool thing to to get under your belt and so how did you get started with your own business because that is always the interesting part i find with entrepreneurs and you know, what I call obviously our why notters, um, is how, how you got started. Yeah. So, you know, I always like to say that I kind of was an entrepreneur by accident and really, you know, we always say that necessity is like the mother of invention. And I had successfully negotiated working from home when I worked for an anesthesia group. I, I, had gotten pregnant and was like, you know, can I work from home? And the funniest thing was, is that years before I'd always tried to negotiate working from home. I'm like, everything we do, we could do from home. This is so dumb. Why am I spending like $8 a day to park and driving 45 minutes and wearing this stuffy three-piece suit when I could really do everything I do from home? But my bosses had nothing to do with it. They were so against it. And then I got pregnant and I had racked up vacation time and sick time and, you know, personal time, all this stuff. And I was going to end up taking months I think it was like five months it was going to take off for maternity leave. Oh, wow. 
and they were like um do you remember that like work at home idea that you had like would you be interested in doing that and it was like yes <laughs> because what they didn't realize is that i didn't really have a ton of money right like i could do that maternity leave and and all of that stuff but i i didn't want to take the financial hit of you know being off for five months completely and so uh, I said yes, and they said yes, and everybody was happy, and I worked from home during maternity leave. And one thing that they learned from that is that not only did I get my work done, which I think is what they were afraid of, is that I actually performed better because I was working when I wanted to. I wasn't forced to clock in at seven o'clock and clock out at four o'clock. I, I wanted to clock in at two in the morning. That's when I worked. And so that worked well until I think 2012 when they merged with another um, more national group. And they said like, do you want to come back in uh, to the office environment? And I said, no, no, I don't. I've been doing this for a long time at home now. I'm not really interested. And so I ended up uh, going freelance and just getting some of my own clients and ended up connecting with some higher profile online entrepreneurs. And that was insane because um, I ended up getting recognized by these higher level entrepreneurs and they started talking about me on their podcasts and stuff. And then people started calling like legitimately like random phone number, random strangers calling my phone or emailing me or Facebooking me and saying like, can you work for me? And I couldn't because I was already working, you know, full time in this sort of virtual capacity. And the entrepreneurial light bulbs just went off for me. And I was just like, you really don't want me. Like, it's not me that any of these people wanted. They just wanted someone that they could trust. And so when I worked in corporate, one of the things that I did was match physicians with hospitals. And so I thought, well, why couldn't I just match executive assistants with entrepreneurs? Like, it's the same thing. It's just a different skill set. And so Priority VA was really born out of that, that desire to, to help people get what they really wanted uh, and without requiring more of my time, right? And so, yeah, Priority VA was born from that kind of accidentally. That's so crazy. And I love how you were thinking outside the box you had asked yourself okay i'm already i've done this why can't i just switch basically the players and do this over here yeah exactly and i think that that's what it is for most of us in business right if you can my friend mike kim has such a great question for anyone who's sort of wondering what they want to do with their lives and he says like ask yourself what pisses you off what breaks your heart and what problem do you solve and so I had a piece of the story that I didn't mention is that uh, my husband and I had adopted a child and we were doing foster care and all of that jazz, right? And so what, what kind of was pissing me off was the fact that I had to go to work all the time. Like my kid would be sick and I'd have to like cancel work. And, you know, I swear I thought my bosses thought I was a liar, right? Because my kid just would always have fevers and stuff. And I was like, I'm pissed that I can't be a good mom but I can't really be a good employee, right? Like I, and I wanted to do both, but like I could do both if I could just work at home. And then if you ask yourself, what breaks your heart? Like what, what just really, really bothers you? Well, it really bothers me, for me, for other moms and dads that they needed to give up on their dreams or that they needed to say no to things because they had to work or they couldn't go to their kids, you know, soccer tournament because, you know, they had to fly out of town for work or whatever. But then I looked at the flip side of it and I was realizing there's a lot of businesses, a lot of dreamers, a lot of people that have ambitious goals, 
but they never get realized because they don't have support because we can't do it all alone, right? And I was like, that's just sad to me. And then I thought, well, what problem do you solve? Well, you know how to kind of read through the BS of people. So what if you could connect people with the entrepreneurs? And so you're giving the mom or dad the opportunity to be at home with their kid and you're giving the entrepreneur the support that they need to realize their dreams. And then for me, it was just like, no brainer. Like that was what I was supposed to do. Yeah, and that that is such a great way to look at it and to be able to go through and do that little check system and really understand clearly what it is you want to do and what you don't want to do. Exactly. And let me ask when when you started, because you know, yes, people are starting to talk about you, and yes, people were having you on their podcast. But were you doing anything that you can recall? else in your marketing efforts because i feel like when it comes to uh entrepreneurship marketing especially marketing yourself is usually the one of the hardest things to do especially getting out there at the beginning stages yeah and you know i don't know that this is necessarily the best advice for right now but this is what was working you know seven years ago uh but I think the crux of this is true is in being of service. And so for me, what that looked like was being in what seemed like every Facebook group under the sun. And I would answer a lot of questions, right? People would say like, what software are you using for this? Or I really want to get this done and I don't know how, or, you know, I I'm looking for an assistant, but how do you know where to find them? And I would just be like, Oh, this is what I found was really helpful. Or this is what I would do. Or I would make people little videos and I would like import them into Facebook and, and just say, you know, this is how I would approach this topic. And so I was just like helping, helping, helping. And it was exhausting. And I felt like, all I'm doing is giving and a nobody giving me anything. But what it did was it sort of elevated my presence in those groups. And I sort of started to look like an authority, even though I wasn't necessarily the smartest person or the one with the biggest business or any of that, I just was present and I was helpful and I was available. Now, I think there's a lot of noise in those Facebook groups now, and it's just a lot of junk. So I don't know that I would take that exact same approach right now, but man, back then, seven years ago, it worked incredibly well for me to kind of give me a little bit of status uh, before I actually had any. Right, no, and I and I totally agree with you. Um, it, it really, it, it's a little more challenging, I, I agree with what's going on now with all the noise and because obviously Facebook wants everyone in groups and all of the eyeballs are there now, but what you, the, the principle there is that showing up, right? That, that's the big part. And that's why like I, I have my three core values show up, deliver and engage because when you do that in anything that you do, you do get an elevated status. You do become somebody that people see more because so many people are just consuming and they're not out there giving and so that i still think that what you had just said is perfect for any kind of strategy that people are trying to do when it comes to marketing yeah and i think the key to it is and i think where i i tended to stand out or be different was that I wasn't always like sending people to a link on my website for further information, right? Or it wasn't like sliding into people's DMs and being like, you know, creepy beach body girl of like, join my thing right now. Or, you know, I, I just was always like 
here's the value, like take it or leave it. I don't want anything in return. And when you show up like that, whether it's at a networking event, at, at an event like when we were at Performance Con, right? Like just engaging with people and giving value with no expectation of anything in return, that's what becomes memorable to someone. And then it helps that I have a weird name too. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's true. And you know, I still, I still remember it was like yesterday when you were in the um, the halls after we had our break at Performance Con, and you were talking to a group of women, and I was just standing there, just watching, just all of you interact with each other, and I was just thinking, how cool is this that a speaker, and, and many of the speakers did this, of course, but um, how cool is this to be at a big event like this, and you actually get to see the speakers hanging out with people and chatting and just really engaging with each other and after that i would like swooped in because i wanted to make sure i talked to you and say hello too and it was just it was such a magical moment and it, it just it was awesome and to be able to hand you the the why not mission card and to see your reaction was priceless like for me nothing else needed to come from that it was just the pure fact that yes this this was meant to be <laughs> Yeah, it, it was such a great, I remember like flipping that card around because you, you get so many business cards and so many things when you're at these events uh, and yours just, yours stood out and I remember reading it and I was just like, oh, just like preach, yes, yes, yeah, <laughs> like it, it just was a message that really resonated with me, but I want to speak to the fact that, you know, as a speaker, yeah. just sitting outside the conference room and, and engaging with the people who just gave you, you know, 45 minutes of their attention. Uh, I think it's the least that we can do. As, as influencers or thought leaders or speakers at an event is you can take 20 minutes, a half an hour, whatever, two hours of your time and engage with the people because that feedback in that moment is exactly what you need to up-level your game to find out what landed or what didn't work in your talk. But more importantly, it's what I live for. Like, I don't really give a rip about the 45 minutes up on stage. It's like, I want that to be done so that I can get down and talk to the people. Cause that's where I have always done the best at building relationships and growing my brand. If we're going to say that yeah. has been sitting at a table face to face with somebody and like hearing what their struggles are. That's where it all happens. And I think so much of our time as entrepreneurs, like we're so worried about handing out the business card or making the pitch or making the sale that we don't even get to know the people that we want to engage with. And that is where the magic happens. So I think if for those that are listening to your show, like take away from this, that that interaction is priceless. Like that's where all the magic happens. And I learned this from Todd Herman, the, the sponsor or the, the host of the event performance con. When he sells his course 90 day year, he actually picks up the phone and calls. I don't know, I think it's big now. I don't know if he can call every single buyer, but at, back in the day when I bought, he called literally every single buyer and said, why did you hire the 90 day year? Not why did you hire me, Todd Herman, but why did you hire the program? And he would document that feedback. Then he uses that feedback in his emails, in his sales pages, in his pitches, right? So that he's actually using the words of the customers. And so that's what I do. That's why I do that. That's why I spend time with the people after is because I'm like getting real time input on what they need and what they want. So it's priceless. 
and I love that you mentioned that because that is huge, especially when people are starting out, is really finding, taking that time to connect with their audience that has just made a purchase from them and to get to know why they bought that because you can take that information, improve whatever it is you're offering, but also use that in your marketing efforts as well to speak directly to your ideal audience, which is priceless. Yeah, I mean, I, I still, to this day, have a Google Sheet. It's called What They Say. And anytime, <laughs> I'm, anytime I'm on a sales call, uh, I will just kind of type in like relevant things that they say. I, I learned from doing that, that I actually didn't like working with overwhelmed people. I know that sounds really weird because I'm a virtual staffing company. Yeah. But what I started to find by writing down the things that people were saying, when customers or potential clients were coming to me and all they were doing was I am so overwhelmed, I can't do that, you know, blah, blah, blah. Those tended to be the more really high maintenance people that didn't really want an assistant. They just wanted somebody to do it all for them, right? And we really wanted people that wanted to partner with their executive assistant. And so they tended to use words like, um, I'm in the weeds a lot, instead of saying, I'm so overwhelmed, right? And so, but I didn't, wouldn't have noticed that had I not actually documented the words and phrases that they were using. And so what we ended up doing was actually like redoing our website and taking the word overwhelmed out. Cause I'm like, I don't want to attract overwhelmed people. I want highly driven, passionate entrepreneurs that are working hard, but want to get out of the weeds. So interesting, huh? Wow, that that is, and so I now I'm curious when, because you know obviously working with tech and everything, um, website is usually one of the first things people jump to before they have any kind of marketing message or copyright and all that stuff. Um, do you recall with your website just diving straight in and just getting the website up and running, or were you getting your clients first and then the website kind of came about? Ooh, you're making me remember way back machine. Uh, I remember I had my husband do our first logo. That was so funny. Um, and I think we did just, it, we called it a website, but it was really just a landing page, right? It was just a one pager. It was very, very cheesy. Um, and then years later, I, this was, you know, mistake one of, you know, 800 that I made in my business, but we hired somebody to like create a promotional video for us. It cost $10,000 and they wanted to do a surfing theme. And I was like, I don't really understand how surfing is going to relate to like executive assistants. And he's like, trust me, this is going to be epic. And it was like the biggest failure ever. It just pe people literally thought we were a surfing, like a teaching school yeah. of how to surf. It was so terrible. You could look it up online. It's, it's so horrible. But, um, I think that we we focused on the website more than we should have. Yeah. What I should have focused instead was on honing in my ideal client, right? And really understanding who they were. I had heard so many times when we were growing our business, you know, the riches are in the niches. And I just was like, but I want to help everybody. And I did want to help everybody. And I felt that we could help everyone. I'm like, we can help anyone who has a business. And so we went really, really broad and we grew very quickly in doing that. But also in doing that, we brought on a lot of the wrong 
type of customers. Remember, a lot of those super overwhelmed brand new entrepreneurs who had no money and no idea what they were doing and what they really needed was a coach, not an assistant, right? Um, and so I would have much rather spent way more time focusing on nailing down who I wanted to serve and how I wanted to serve them instead of like, do I have a bright, shiny website? And is my Facebook page updated all the time? And, you know, I would have, I would have focused on that way better. And I've often said, I wish if I had it to do over again, I would have spent way more time learning copywriting than anything else. Yes. Oh, and that, I love that you mentioned all of that because that is something, and I don't know, I feel like as entrepreneurs, you know, obviously we don't have a school that we go through um, like our normal elementary system, but it's one of those things that I feel like we don't figure out for most of us until we're a few years into the business that really it does come down to that having that ideal client and really, really niching down. Like you said, we hear it, but it's not like in, pounded into our, our brains saying like, no, this is the first step. And then you work on your copy and then you get into, you know, the website and stuff. And I just f find that so important. What you just said is, is amazing. Yeah, thanks. And, and so when you are out there now these days and, and obviously, you know, you have the website and you have social and all of that, what, what are you finding that works more for you in terms of your advertising? Are you doing more paid ads now that you're established? Are you kind of just doing the organic word of mouth? Because um, I feel like marketing, people jump into Facebook ads, not really knowing too much. And then they, you know, try to do all these different things when it really, you know, it varies for every business, of course. Yeah, so at the beginning, uh, we were and still are heavily referral based because if you have an executive assistant that is your secret weapon, right? Uh, you, you want other people to be like, holy cow, like, how do you get all this stuff done? How are you this efficient? How are you seemingly in 10 places at once? Right? Uh, so we very much were referral based of like, Oh, you need to call priority A and they can support you. And we tried paid advertising, um, off and on over the years. And I think a lot of that was more, the challenge with that wasn't on like Facebook ads don't work for me. It was still that idea of if you don't know who you're talking to, you're talking to everyone, which means you're talking to no one. And that's why we felt like they didn't work for us since we've since honed in our avatar really well then we're kind of getting back into the paid advertising space. But for me, uh, public speaking is a huge uh, marketing initiative for us. Being on podcasts, having my own podcast is another initiative. 2020 for me is all about speaking engagements and writing my first book. That will be the, the kind of marketing engine for us for 2020, we believe. And uh, really, I think it's always going to be for me, and this is just my personality, but is relationship building. And that can mean influencers, it can mean friends of mine, it can mean attending the right events. Um, I, I would have said probably in my first three years of business, I was probably considered like conference 
conference war, I think is like what people call it, where you just go to event after event after event. Yes. I probably went to like 40 events in my first three years of business because I thought this is where you meet clients. Uh, and then I realized, holy cow, I'm learning all this information at all these conferences. I can implement exactly 0% of it because I'm just going to the next conference, right? Yep. And, uh, and we just decided like that was not a good use of our time or money because we weren't getting the ROI that I thought we were going to get from it. And I had zero time to implement really cool stuff that I learned. And so now I, I don't go to near as many conferences unless I'm speaking because then it, it's ROI driven, right? Then it makes sense. Um, but yeah, relationships are, I think they'll always be a huge, huge part of it for me. Yeah, and, and I love that you bring up, you know, I, I refer to a lot of people online because they are course junkies. So yes, yes they conference junkies. And, um, and it is one of those things that's actually one of the reasons why I don't attend really any conferences. Like I keep it really minimal because I know for me, I want to make sure that if I'm going to one, it's the right one because I take a lot of notes and I am going to be like on a next level energy high from it. And I want to make sure that I actually implement things and not just go to say I went there and not to say that, you know, I went because I passed out a ton of business cards. Like I actually want to take what I learned and actually implement it. So I'm totally the same way where it's like, you've got to be selective and, and go in with a mindset of what do you want to get out of this? You know, one of my friends who was a fellow entrepreneur in my area, she had, she's been to a lot of conferences. And so before I went to performance con, she, she gave me some tips and she's like, you know, and you really got to make sure that you, you write down before you go, what is it that you're wanting to get out of this conference and, and kind of, you know, have a checklist. So that way you stay focused and you go in and you get the work done and you can start implementing right away. And knowing that was everything for this conference and, and it just changed everything for me. Good advice. Tell her, thank you. Everyone should have that. Yes. <laughs> it's just, it, it's so important because, you know, again, we consume, especially with social media, we're so used to just consume, consume, consume that we're so busy consuming, we don't make the time to actually implement. And, and that's where everything starts taking off for us. And when you are working with clients, are there any common themes that you're noticing uh, when it comes to the actual like work that they need done? You know, cause I know everyone thinks of VA as, hey, I need a VA who's a unicorn that can take care of every single thing from calls to emails to Facebook ads and running my social media. <laughs> yeah, you know, we used to joke at Priority VA, uh, we had like a hashtag in our private Facebook group. It was like, hashtag be the unicorn because we're like, everyone just wants a unicorn. They want somebody to be scheduling their hair appointment, writing their sales copy, you know, like uploading, like writing CSS on their website. I mean, just all sorts of stuff. And they want it for, you know, approximately $8 an hour. I was um, gonna say five, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Uh, so it, it is varied. And one thing that I encourage people to do is to think of virtual assistant not as a role, but as an industry, right? So as if you look at it as an industry, 
then there's all sorts of different levels, like sports. Sports is an industry, but you've got golf and you've got tennis and you've got football, right? So look at it in that way. And I think that would help people uh, understand a little bit better. We focus at Proud VA, again, this was part of that sort of niching down and figuring out like, who are we gonna serve and how are we gonna serve them with excellence? Yeah. I, I used to, so past tense, you know, five years ago, I would have graphic designers and I would have copywriters and I would have social media managers. I mean, you wanted it, I had it, and I was gonna just be the catch-all for everything. And then I realized I hate graphic design. Like I don't have any desire to micromanage graphic design. And so here's what we've sort of settled on. We believe that every executive, anyone who is like truly looking to grow and scale a business needs to get out of their inbox right? They need to not be managing and, and dealing with their inbox and their calendar and travel and handling the day-to-day -day logistics of their own life within the business. They need someone to say, and this is what comes next, and this is what comes next, and they don't have to be the one who's handling all of that. And so for us, it looks like very traditional executive level assistant support, whether that's you know, creating budgets and coordination and, and doing executive project management as an executive assistant, um, doing event planning and budget creation and reporting and research and purchasing and handling, uh, handling what you do and how you do it to make sure that you are optimized to be at your peak performance. That is what we do for people. And so, you know, while you do need someone perhaps to help you with your sales copy or to do SEO on your website, that's a different role and should not also be the person who is, you know, making your travel arrangements or planning your next vacation. Yeah. And, and okay. So that that's amazing. And so when you create, cause you have employees right now with the business. So we have uh, our core team. So this is the team that runs Priority VA and those are W2 employees. And then we have contractors that work for a minimum of 10 hours a week that serve the needs of our clients. And those are uh, 1099 contractors. And so when you were growing, cause I, I find that is always a challenging part whether when you're going from one to two or even yeah. more. Um, what was that like for you? How, how did you get to that next level, you know, because I know mindset plays a huge part in shifting and being able to move forward. You know, when we were growing, it was almost like it was happening so fast. I was sort of like playing catch up, right? I felt like kind of the Tasmanian devil, just like going as fast as I can. And so what made that challenging for us is that I was growing at such a rapid pace. I mean, we went from hiring our first our first EA, and then like our next jump was like 18, and then it was like 35, and then it was you know 50, and then it you know was 83 at one point, and so it was insane growth for us. And so for us, we had so this is probably two years ago, we had to just push pause, and for a little over 90 days, we shut off everything meaning no one could opt into my website get on my calendar for a sales call couldn't apply for a job nothing i was like we just need to breathe for a minute like we had enough money in the bank we were you know we had enough business all of our eas were happy whatever but i'm like i need some structure here because i can't i can't scale i can hardly tread water where this is and business just kept coming and it's that whole idea of like if you got 100 new customers today could you survive 
and we wouldn't have been able to. And so I'm like, push pause. <laughs> I need to get some structure in place here. I need to be able to breathe. I need to hire some team members. And that's really when our core team took off. And it was like, all right, I need someone who's going to solely be in charge of interviewing because I can't be doing 30 interviews a day. It's like impossible anymore, right? So someone was solely in charge of that. Someone was um, solely in charge. We call the role success catalyst, right? So it's basically managing the relationship between an executive assistant and a client. So that wasn't me because, and this is still true today, but my cell phone is listed on our website, right? Oh, oh yes, it is. My <laughs> cell phone was going off all the time and i'm like i cannot handle this anymore so yeah that was probably the best strategic move that we made in our business although i was terrified i honestly would have nightmares that like it was all going to fall apart but it helped us build a foundation um, and that's the challenge with rapid growth is sometimes it's so fast that you just you don't even know how to handle it wow and yeah. that i mean hitting the pause button i mean that that is crazy. Like, I can't even imagine what was going through your head because when when you're in the groove, it's like, oh, we're doing this, we're doing this. And, and that overwhelm, of course, is like weighing you down. But when you're in that momentum and just like, go, go, go. And then all of a sudden it's like, stop. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, here's the thing is... I was treading water at that point, right? And so if you think of like when you're in the ocean or you're in a swimming pool and you're treading water and like you kind of go under a little bit, everyone, then you're like, oh, pop back up. I mean, that's what was happening. It was all good stuff. But I just kept thinking, like, I can't keep going. Like my arms are tired. Like I'm, I'm, I'm tired. And I didn't even have a moment because hiring is such a huge part of what we do and how we grow. I could not build our business with the wrong team in place. I couldn't just bring in a success catalyst and throw someone into the role and be like, yeah, go take care of my people. Right. So I, I literally had to pause for a minute. So I made sure that I grew with the right team in place. And I have to say, it, it wasn't that I wasn't scared. You know, it wasn't that I was having moments of like, what the hell are you doing? You were like turning off like the hand that feeds you. You're just like, yeah. you know, shutting it all down. But for me, it, A, that, that 90 days, I think it was like 94 days or something, but it went by really fast. Um, so it wasn't like I was sitting here twiddling my thumbs going like, I'm not sure what to do today. Right. I mean, we were busy that whole time, but it, it went by really fast. And then as soon as we sort of, you know, turn things back on. Uh, it's probably like 10 days or so. And then it was like, oh, more calls are on the calendar. Okay, things are running again and we're all set. It was it was an interesting time. Wow, that like, it amazes me because you, you know, that it's such a refreshing story to hear because I don't know anybody who, who has that or has taken that leap. They have, they have, they just don't talk about it. Exactly. And that's, that's the thing that, that kills me. Um, you know, that's why I started the podcast was to learn about that stuff and to hear that stuff because entrepreneurship does suck sometimes and it does weigh you down. You do have really shitty days and you sometimes can't get out of bed and you have to force yourself. And then there's these highs and the freedom to work from anywhere, you know, but it, it's all encompassing. It's not just Instagram perfect. <laughs> oh yeah, it is so not. It, it's really not. And I think that if we can remove that stigma of, I have this shiny business, you know, I have had the privilege of working alongside and seeing the 
kind of behind the scenes of some incredibly high level entrepreneurs and they're all a shit show. Every single one of them are a shit show. Some just have a more shiny veneer than others. And, and I think that's the beauty of it is that we're all struggling. We all, whether you're making, you know, $10,000 a year or $10 million a year. We all have the same insecurities, the same staffing problems, the same problems with operations. I mean, we all have the same struggles. Some of us just have more money to throw at the problems than others, that's all. I love that you just said that. That, that is so refreshing to hear from you because that is the thing that I feel because we have the power of social media, which is amazing, um, it, it does pull us in that direction of everything's perfect and it puts the blinders on so that the majority of people actually can't think outside the box to understand that that's what it is. It's being able to have more, some have more money to throw at the problem. Therefore, they can make it look better than it actually is and we just forget that. Yeah, it's, we're all the same, guys. It's okay. We are so much more connected than we act like we are. It is all going to be okay. We're all messed up. <laughs> it's so true. And so when you hit those lows, because I always like to ask entrepreneurs how, how they, you know, push through. When you hit those lows, what is something that kind of helps you bounce back? Or, or do you let yourself, you know, hang out in in those feelings for a minute so that you can then move forward a little quicker mm. i cry um i throw things i'm being incredibly honest right now yeah. uh i so you know i wrote a facebook post um probably maybe six or nine months ago um and i kind of titled it like call the fight and i'm it's interesting because i'm actually going to record a podcast episode about this for my podcast diary of a doer because oh, cool one of the things that i realized is that uh there happened to have been in professional boxing last year i mean it happens every year but there happened to be two deaths of young men um within like i think five days of each other like two boxers they died uh, as a result of injuries they faced in matches and i became obsessed with it and i don't know why i don't even watch boxing i just was the weirdest thing so i found the fights and I watched both of these fights from like start to finish. And I was looking for something that I recognized. I was like, was there a punch that was thrown that like where you could tell, oh, he's jacked up, right? From that punch. And what I realized was this, that there was this guy and his, his last name was Dadashev. And he just kept taking body blow after body blow. It wasn't a necessarily like huge hit to the head that he took. Yeah. And it was interesting because you hear like the bell ring and he'd go over to the corner, you know, and his like coach would come on out and, and he just was so driven. He just stared straight ahead at his opponent and he just like, would not give up. And then it was like, I think it was the 10th round and his coach said, Max, I'm gonna call the fight. Can I call the fight? And he, he just like looked straight ahead and he shook his head, no, like, no, I can't. And he's like, Max, you're taking too many hits. I gotta call the fight. And this coach ended up calling the fight. His name is Buddy McGirt. Look him up. He's brilliant. And uh, and the guy, the boxer, ended up not being able to even like make it out. You know, he ended up dying and having surgery and you know all of this stuff. And the surgeon said, "In a I'm rambling, I'm so sorry, but this is really important." Uh, 
the surgeon ended up saying that he could they could tell when they came in to do the brain surgery that he had at some point during the fight had a stroke early on in the fight and he just kept going after even having suffered a stroke in the ring he kept going okay so then we're going to cut to the next fight now and then i'll wrap it up the next guy is in this fight and he's coming back to his corner during the break and he is losing it. He is not doing well at all. And his coach kept pushing him out there, right? So they actually made it the 12 rounds. And you know how they have like each of the boxers on the side and then like you got the official in the middle and they're like scoring each of the rounds. So like round one, this guy won, round two, this point. And then they like raise the hand of the person, right? This guy can't even stand. And his team is like holding him up. I mean, his head is hanging down and holding him up. And then they, you know, they call the fight, whoever wins and, and the guy just collapses. And he actually doesn't even make it out of the ring. He never regains consciousness He's, and he ends up dying. And one of the things that was the most interesting thing to me was the difference in the coaches, right? So the first coach was like, I gotta call this, like you're, it's too much. He asked the guy permission. So he respected him and he honored him, right? Wow. And, and he asked him permission to call the fight. He was gonna call it anyway, but he yeah. still was like honoring his fighter. And then the second guy was just like, win at all costs. Like, right, I don't care how much you're hurt. Like you just keep getting out there. Like you can't even stand, but I'm gonna hold you up. Cause you're gonna hear the score of this fight. And so the point of that whole entire thing was that when you are down, when you are taking blow after blow, because that is exactly what entrepreneurship is. Do you have someone in your corner? that is gonna call the fight for you, right? Who's gonna say, Trevenia, you're tired. Like you're working too much, 14 hours a day is too much. You stopped going to church because you believe that if you could just get your inbox cleared before Monday, you're gonna be okay. That's too much, you gotta take a break. And, and do we have people in our corner, on our team, our family, our friends, our mentors, our coaches, that are gonna say like, it's time to take a break, not quit, but take a rest or in some cases I got to call the fight and it's time to throw in the towel right or do we have people who are beside us who are just at all costs it doesn't matter win-win-win I don't care what happens I don't care if your family is destroyed and your health is destroyed and everything's destroyed you're gonna win at all costs and that was really powerful for me and so it made me look long and hard as who's in my corner do I have a team around me that is gonna look out for me and call the fight or do I have a team that's just gonna keep pushing me and then conversely, how do I show up for my team? Do I call the fight for them or for my clients? And do I show up in that way and be a Buddy McGirt for them? So yes, that is the, the end of my story of what happens when you're freaking tired. <laughs> Mike, drop. That is awesome. Like, I was, I was literally transfixed with it. And I have no idea why, but man, I read every article. I just, I could not stop. And I was like, why is this so important to me? Like it, and I felt horrible that two men had to lose their lives for me to get it. Right. But man, I got it in such a new and profound way. And so the moral of that story is, was last November, uh, around like the 20, I don't know, 21st of November, I took from the 21st of November until January 12th of 2020 off of work. And I did not work. I did not answer a single email. I did not get on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or anything. 
And I took a moment to breathe. Um, and it was the best thing that I could have ever done for my family, for my career, for my mental health, all of it. So yeah, uh, somebody has to qualify for you. And I love that you shared that story because I literally got chills be, uh, from it because I just, I appreciate it a lot more now than in the beginning. I was like, people, I'd because I have my mom and I have uh, my best friend and a few others that are that, those people in my corner that are like, okay, you got to take a break. You got to slow down. You're fine. Breathe. And at the time, you know, in the beginning stage, it's like, no, you just don't get it. Like, I, I, I got to do this. I got to figure it out. Da, da, da. But you soon realize when you keep hearing it over and over and you have those people who genuinely care and love you and want to be there for you. When you hear that and you really hear it, then you shift and you're like, you're right. It's important. Mm -hmm. I do need to stop. And so hearing that story is amazing because that's something that again isn't talked about a lot in entrepreneurship and it's so crucial because all we hear is you know hustle grind wake up early stay up late you know drink all the red bulls you can and and party and network and all that and it's like yeah, that's not a healthy lifestyle and that's not in my opinion sustainable and mm -hmm. it's something that you don't if you don't take care of yourself then your business suffers and then what are you doing there, there's no business if there's no you yeah yeah, it's, it's powerful. And I think that if we would just realize that there, there is a time for hustle. I mean, there was a period of four years where I worked my tail off and I wouldn't go back and change it. It was hard and it kind of messed with me a little bit, but it got me to where we are right now. And, and so I get it. It's just like if we hired a fitness coach, right? And you're doing, I don't know, you're doing push-ups, and you're at like, you know, 10 push-ups, and they want you to go to 15 and you're just like, I can't, right? There is, there's value in them pushing you to reach that goal of 15 push-ups. And so the same is true in our business, right? We, we've got to have people in our corner that are going to push us when we're just chickens and we're scared and we don't want to move. But we also have to have people around us that are going to say, hold on, I see danger signs and I do not want this for you. And, you know, I'm looking out for you too. So yeah, it, there's a balance of both for sure. But yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed that crazy little story. Oh, it's perfect. It's so perfect. Yeah, I love that that you shared that. Um, I have to read your one of your, uh, well, actually, let me ask you, what's your best career advice you've ever received? gotten so much uh, good advice throughout the years because, you know, again, I've been super blessed to be around a lot of really cool and talented people, but I always feel like I quote Todd Herman a lot, but he's just been a great mentor of mine. But he told to me, told me one time when I was working as an executive assistant for other people, but also running Priority VA because I'm a goofball and Priority VA was already at seven figures in revenue and I was still working 35 hours a week as an executive assistant. But he said to me, Trevenia, you will never fully embrace being a CEO as long as you're acting like an employee for someone else. And I was like, oh man, you're right. Like I can't, I, I gotta, I gotta make a choice. I have to go all in on Priority VA or not. And uh, I was afraid because I used to say at least working with this client pays my mortgage. Like if all else fails, I can pay my mortgage every month, right? And, uh, and we let that go and just went all in on Priority VA. And it's been a magical ride ever since. Oh, that is so awesome. That, that is like magic. I mean, 
to be able to leave the full-time job, I mean, I, that I don't know how much of my story you would call or know, but for me, that was the same thing as working full-time at Apple and yeah. realizing I got to go now because it may never happen. So let's just do this and hope for the best. And if it goes south, I can always get a job somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I, I tend to not be very much of a risk taker. I'm very much a planner. And, and when he said that, it wasn't immediate. It still took me almost a year uh, to make that choice, but it planted a seed in me that I was like, wait, what if? What if, if I could grow to a business to seven figures as my side hustle, what could I do if I focus nothing but all my time on this business? And so it, it was just the seed I needed. And for some people it could be, you know, if I'm making $500 a month doing this side hustle thing, what could I do if I spent all my time on it? So similarly, like we got to ask ourselves these hard questions and then surround yourself with people that are going to give you a bunch of different perspectives right because you can't be all pie in the sky you got to have some sense of normalcy and like objectivity to making you know tough decisions but yeah at some point you just gotta decide and go i hope you enjoyed this episode of the yes to entrepreneurship podcast be sure to head over to yes to entrepreneurship.com for more episodes, as well as information on how you can join the Yes to Entrepreneurship Network. The network brings together ambitious entrepreneurs, you, the Why Notters, who want to grow their business online and master the basic principles of organic marketing so they can connect with their ideal audience, collaborate with fellow business owners, and create engaging content that actually converts into sales so that they can build a sustainable business over time. Join the Yes to Entrepreneurship Network today at yestoentrepreneurship.com.